There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Oh, okay, I did uh, find the picture. Hey, you know, there's uh, we're all aging and... and <laughs> Uh, photographs are now not our friends. It's not like your your life, Sharina, where you were definitely, um, in, as, as uh, Don Lamont would say, you're in your prime. Tucker's wife, Susan, and I, not so much. Anyway, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I got to keep from crying, you know? And I was looking at a couple of emails that I received over the... Uh, night. And one of them was actually very interesting. It was an article about President Biden's cheat sheets when he's speaking to the press. And what I find so fascinating about it is even though the press itself admits that this is true, that Joe Biden is given a list of who the questioner is going to be, what the question is going to be, where he should stand, when he should sit, what he should... I mean, it's crazy how, how much detail there are on these cheat sheets. But what's, what's more fascinating to me is actually that the White House is now able to ask a reporter to tell them not just what he's going to be asking about, but actually the question. And then, you know this is true because one of the questions on his cheat sheet was asked by a reporter from the Los Angeles Times, Courtney Subramanian, and the, the paper had a picture of the reporter along with the pronunciation breakdown of her last name. Question number one was handwritten at the top of the sheet indicating the president should call on her first at the conclusion of his remarks. How are you squaring your domestic priorities, like reshoring semiconductors manufacturing with alliance-based foreign policy, read the question in Biden's hand. The reporter, who was in fact called upon first, but whose last name was omitted by the president, well, at least he realized he had like zero chance of correctly pronouncing her name, Subramanian. But anyway, um, the question asked was, your top economic priority has been to build up a U.S. domestic manufacturing in competition with China, but your rules against expanding chip manufacturing in China is hurting South Korean companies that rely heavily on Beijing. Are you damaging a key ally in the competition with China to help your domestic politics ahead of the election? A separate paper in his hand revealed the names of administration officials in the order of their remarks, and both cheat sheets were dated April 26th. I, you know, forget your politics for a second. You know, conservative, uh, liberal, Republican, uh, Democrat. 
do we really want to have a president who cannot speak on the fly? I mean, come on. At least, I, I will say this. Um, I did not like President uh, Barack Obama. I didn't like President Bill Clinton. But both of them had an incredible command of language and were able to think in real time. So if they were asked questions, even questions that were not friendly, they would come up with answers rather quickly and rather completely. They might not have been answers I agreed with, by the way. They seldom were. But boy, oh boy, this guy, he has to be told when to sit, when to stand. What, how does that... How does that recommend him for another term? Please, somebody explain to me what the Democrats are thinking, unless what they're actually thinking is that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll off him early or he'll die of old age and, and Kamala Harris will be installed as the president. That's like a nightmare. I don't even see how Democrats could be um, feeling good about that. The woman has done nothing to tell me or to show me that she's ready to be the president of the United States. Give me a break. But, you know, listen, what, what can I tell you? Um, it's amazing to me. I do have some, you know, kind of congratulatory pats on my own back. I, I got them from other people, but I'm going to pat myself on the back because every now and again I uh, understand that it's not that I'm a prophet or a prescient, although I am and are. It's that I have a really good gauge for reading what's happening around me, and particularly in the political realm, because, of course, that's where I spend a lot of time, right? So I predicted that the future would lie in the Twitterverse, or whatever you call the universe of Twitter, and that I, I thought it would be a great idea for Tucker Carlson to figure out a way to make that his platform. And sure enough, the first speech that he delivers is delivered on a, uh, you know, uh, on a Twitter, a tweet. He does a tweet. And unbelievable. Um, I, I don't know how they can make that platform work, but I believe that they can. And I'm excited about that. Because uh, first and foremost, I think Elon Musk is a champion of free speech, and I think that Tucker needs to feel freed. Um, one of the things that has be, been proffered out there, and my friend Pam Geller really did a beautiful article. I share it in my uh, thought of the day, and I think it's something that I also I also talked about in the last couple of days. And so again, I can give myself a little, uh, you know, pat on my back because I, I kind of am ahead of the, the curve of what happens next. Um, believe me, there is a next and we'll find out about it when, when he's ready to tell us. But I certainly think that he gave some clear indication in his statement that he tweeted out and it's, it's not what he, uh, it was interesting for what he didn't say, not for what he said. In his closing sentences, he said, where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. Okay. 
So what are Tucker and Elon Musk planning? 47 million people have already seen his tweet. That's a lot more than the 3 million people who watched him on Fox News. Now remember, back in 2010, Tucker Carlson co-founded The Daily Caller with Neil Patel, who was a, a, a former chief policy advisor to Vice President Cheney. So he does have somewhere to go and hang his hat. Add in a partnership with Musk, who could push his content across the planet without censorship, and you have a powerful incentive for a man that wants to address the big topics. And that's what he talked about. It's, uh, you know, he talked about how when you step outside of the noise, you see how nice people really are. And when you take some time off, you see how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet, at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's the depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, so it won't. The people in charge know this, and that's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force, but it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. Brilliant. And, and you know, like I said, uh, I'm not a rah-rah cheerleader for Tucker Carlson, but I certainly appreciated over the years what he added to the public discourse, his long-form stuff, his uh, nightly broadcast. He did talk about things. Look, some of the stuff was ridiculous to me. I don't care about people who have pet chickens, you know, in particular, and I would never eat a piece of pizza that had um, a pineapple and, and sausage on it. But, you know, he's a loud, he was a big star. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted to do, and I believe that's still true, that he can pretty much do whatever he wanted to. But anyway, let me share with you this um, this email that I got about how Fox News should have gone the distance. And he says, it's written by Bob Zeidman, who's the creator of Software Forensics and the founder of a lot of successful high-tech Silicon Valley firms, including Zeidman Consulting and Forensic Engineering. He says, by now, you probably know my name as the forensic scientist who disproved Mike Lindell's alleged proof of voting machine hacking in the 2020. 
but I think that Fox News was innocent of any wrongdoing and should have allowed the suit against it by Dominion Voting Systems to go to trial. I believe Fox would have prevailed. Fox did something wrong, though, and it sets a very bad precedent. And he talked about settling. They should have never settled. You know, that, that's the truth. Fox's surrender will have horrible consequences. Although a settlement is not a legal precedent, it is a practical one because it creates suspicion in the mind of the public and corporations and has them all eager to sue on similar cases. CNN and MSNBC should not gloat, but should be very worried. Since many of their newscasters believe in gun control, will they never present anyone who supports the Second Amendment, ever invite someone who disagrees with climate change? Similarly, will Fox never interview a pro-choice activist or a climate change activist? Will any news outlet ever do any real story despite their fear of being sued? And whether you think all outlets are presently unbalanced, one-sided, this concession literally is going to change everything. And I think he's absolutely right. And that's the biggest sadness. And if Tucker's, you know, the, the demise of the Tucker Carlson show had anything to do with that Dominion settlement, that's stupid. But I think it didn't. I think this is much deeper. And I think it's much more frightening. If you're a person like me and a person like Jason Whitlock and also a person like Tucker Carlson who believes in good and evil and who sees the battle that's being waged in our country right now as one of good versus evil. And if you're not allowed to talk about that, if that's you know a taboo subject, which apparently it is, because here, let me uh, tell you, um, there's an article in Vanity Fair, of all places, that says Tucker Carlson's prayer talk may have led to his Fox News ouster. That stuff freaks Rupert out. He doesn't like all the spiritual talk. Hmm. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? When Tucker Carlson made a speech this weekend at Heritage where he said that the, uh, the battle in American politics has become a Manichean battle between good and evil, he said that people advocating for transgender rights and DEI programs want to destroy America and they could not be persuaded with facts. We should say that and stop engaging in those totally fraudulent debates. I've tried. It doesn't work. The answer, Carlson suggested, was prayer. I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will. He said, that stuff freaks Rupert Murdoch out. He doesn't like all that spiritual talk. You know, I'm just saying. Just saying. The devil is busy, my friends, and apparently uh, wielding a great deal of power when it comes to politics and the media. Anyway, don't forget to register for our uh, contest that we have. You can either do it on your app, or if you don't want to do that, you can do it, whoops, as she tears the paper, you can do it on the website, 850wftl.com. We still have a few family four-packs of tickets to Sunfest. That's going to take place next weekend on the West Palm Beach waterfront. Or we're giving away a $50 Levenger gift card, which is perfect for a thoughtful Mother's Day gift. You can get her a purse or a wallet or a jewelry organizer or a beautiful pen or a journal. 
Enter now on our app or at 850WFTL.com. Quick break. I have a couple of guests coming up. I am going to be talking with uh, a gentleman from an organization called Triple Dippers. This will blow your mind. And I'm also going to be uh, allowing Andrew Gutman to announce his candidacy for the seat currently held by Lois Frankel. Stay right where you are. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, so there was an interesting piece in the uh, Epic Times today about what uh, Bill O'Reilly has, has to say about the Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News because I don't think Bill O'Reilly um, was ever able to get back to the top of the food chain quickly. And I think this is a whole new world. In 2017, when he uh, left Fox or was booted from Fox, there really weren't as many um, ways to get your message out. He has now finally gotten himself back into the public uh, you know, mix. I don't think he's making a ton of money, but I'm sure he's uh, doing better than most people who have real jobs because I don't consider ours real jobs. We love them. Uh, and you're not supposed to love your job. But he said that, um, that it's not just that this is going to impact Fox News, but he said if you factor in the fact that Rush Limbaugh passed away in 2021 and now uh, Tucker Carlson is off the news media environment whatever you know TV radio that it's going to take a lot longer for conservative ideas to permeate beyond actual declared Republican and conservative circles and into the conversations of independent voters the Republican profile in the media is going to be much less now and that will affect independent voters. You know, I saw an article that um, my old friend, who's really not much of a friend anymore, Ann Coulter, because I just don't understand, you know, some of her positions. I still like her, but, you know, it's not much to talk about. You know, she just wrote a whole piece, which is similar to what O'Reilly is doing, saying like, oh, you know, there was a voice of, 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 of this kind of conservatism or this populism in Rush, there was a voice like that in Tucker Carlson. Um, I believe I have a voice like that. But Anne is arguing, well, you're never going to get independent voters if you continue with this abortion stuff. And I'm trying to figure out who she thinks independents are going to vote for in the Republican Party anyway. Because, you know, it's not just that Donald Trump is a, a, a pro-life Republican and currently in the lead. But the next guy that they always talk about of having any kind of chance at all is Ron DeSantis, and he just signed this uh, six-week bill and nine, whatever the you know, um, the heartbeat bill, and so there you go. Um, they're never going to get a break from mainstream media, the two of them. And while you still have voices like uh, Hannity and Laura Ingram, they're not the same kind of voices. I mean, um, they're not. Uh, they're not committed to certain causes the way Tucker Carlson was committed, the way that faith-based people, you know, Russia's belief in pro-life was based on his understanding of life. 
you know, Carlson's belief on pro-life was based on his understanding of the value of life. And not all of them share that. You know, um, they may say they're pro-life, but they would never um, conduct interviews with pro-life activists. They just stayed away from that. I mean, the only other person is Glenn Beck, and he left and formed the blaze uh, many, many years ago before even O'Reilly left Fox. And, you know, look, he has approached Tucker Carlson and told him you could join my network, you won't miss a beat. Um, OAN, O-A-N-N, I think it is, uh, Rob Herring has invited Carlson and began discussing terms. Elon Musk has said he would turn Twitter into a platform where Carlson and other independent content creators could prosper. So there's going to be a whole different environment than what O'Reilly and Ann Coulter are talking about. The independent thinkers are on Twitter. The independent thinkers who aren't afraid to hear countering and oppositional viewpoints are on Twitter. You know, they're not, um, they don't watch Fox. I, I, I don't believe they do anyway. I think, you know, Fox's audience speaks to diehards and just like MSLSD speaks to diehard liberals and CNN, diehard liberals. They're not, you know, they may pretend to be something other, but neither not, none of the three are anything other. Twitter, on the other hand, in its newest uh, genesis, you know, ro is rising like a phoenix from the ashes. And I believe in timing. Everything is a matter of timing. And if you have, um, if you have, a major talent like Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk offering Twitter as a platform come together, it could be a lot more powerful than, uh, than anything that Bill O'Reilly ever contemplated or that Ann Coulter ever compl co contemplated. Because I can tell you right now, uh, when, I first, um, when I first came on the air in 20 the end of 2015 and said, look, you know, I think Donald Trump's going to run. Everybody thought I was crazy. And then when he came down the golden escalator and I stopped saying he's going to run and I started saying he's going to win, everybody, and I do mean everybody, close friends, colleagues, um, people in positions of power, uh, politicians that were friends of mine, they all said, don't do that, Joyce. You know, you're going to look really foolish. He has no chance. And then... As things were unfolding, and it was the Access Hollywood tape, and it was this, uh, you know, this uh, rape charge, and it was uh, Russia, 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 all that stuff, I kept holding on to saying, like, yeah, but there's something different that you're not accounting for, and that's the uh, the voice of the little guy who feels forgotten. And if Trump continues to speak to that person, he'll win. And I was, oh, that's ridiculous, never gonna happen, don't think that way, and, and I was right. You know, the mistake that Donald Trump made in 2020, the mistake that Dallin West made, and you know, when he made his mistake, was to stop listening to people like me who have our finger on the pulse of the average guy. You know, the, the big tech oligarchs don't have their finger on that pulse, so whatever advice they give you is crap. The politicians don't have their finger on the pulse, so whatever you know kind of advice they give you is crap. It's people like me who have little talk shows all around the country who were the first ones to say, you know what, this is really resonating 
in in community after community, seeing Hispanics shifting their views away from the Democrat Party. You're seeing, you know, um, people open to this discussion about, uh, you know, going after China and not not keeping troops in places where we have no business anymore. Yeah, that resonated. Resonated with the mother who has got two sons in the military. Resonated with the residents of towns like East Palestine that had been ignored for eight years under uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And now all of a sudden, somebody's saying, hey, I'm going to pay attention to you. Hillary's not going to, and I can prove she's not going to. She won't even campaign in your states because she's so sure she's going to win. And then what happened? States like Wisconsin, states like Michigan, the people, the ones that I listened to said, you know what? Yeah, we're tired of being ignored. And even if he's nuts, he is successful and we'd like the country to be successful. So that's uh, that's my take. Again, I'm sticking to it and uh, I'm going to go take a break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking to a gentleman who has uncovered some tremendous malfeasance in Broward County, which is where I live, that needs to be exposed. So we're going to expose it right here in just a few moments. Stay right where you are. All right. um, This is such an interesting story. And I have to admit that it's a story I should have known more about and didn't know enough about. But I um, was lucky I got an email from a gentleman, Dave J., and he has, you know, spent the last period of time and he, he has an organization. Well, I don't know, Dave, I should let you explain it. It's uh, actually the Triple Dippers. And what you've done is you've gone in and found out just how many people are just robbing the taxpayers in Broward County. So maybe you can give us a, a bird's eye view. Thanks, Joyce. It's tripledippers.org, tripledippers.org. And there are 1,580 Broward County school employees taking over $210 million in fake retirement pension cash bonuses and over $104 million in salaries at the same time to do the same job. All they have to do is file paperwork, uh, which, which uh, uh, states that they have a retirement. There's no separation of employment. There's no gold watch. And that makes them eligible for five years of collecting a salary and a pension at the same time to do the same job. And the cherry on the top is that these triple dippers cash out all their unused days at their final highest salary, not the salary when the days off were earned over their career, artificially taking more money from the taxpayers and artificially spiking up the last year's pay, which is what their pension is based on. This is crazy. I mean, you know, my listeners are sitting there going, no way. How does this happen? You know, how, how does uh, how has there not been an advocate before you to tell us that this was going on? Well, un- unfortunately, there are triple dippers, uh, not only at the schools, but at the county, uh, at the uh, at the city level uh, and even at, at the legislative level and at the governor's office. And, in fact, uh, there's uh, legislation that's going through Tallahassee right now that would expand the period of time of triple dipping by 60% from five to eight years of triple dipping. Mm. That's uh, going through the legislature right now, uh, House Bill uh, uh, 239. And there's what has this led to? It's led to $36 billion in unfunded Florida pension 
liability. Now that's a, that's a big number to get get, get your head around. Thirty six billion dollars is a one thousand six hundred and seventy four dollar liability for every man, woman, and child in Florida. Wow! And you know what's crazy about this is you've got all these young people who have you know sort of accumulated these worthless degrees, but for the most part, would be enthusiastic to get a teaching position. And instead, you've got these fake fraud phonies who are technically retired and still in the classroom where if you look at the the statistics in Broward County, we're not educating kids. We're just sort of warehousing them. It's it's a a scandal. It's a scandal how how poorly the uh, the students are, are doing. The bureaucracy is failing them. Uh, the teachers are, are, are failing them. They're uh, failing our, our students and the employers and the, the parents. Let me give you an example of a triple dipper. Uh, a Susan Rockelman's can get a pension cash bonus of $404,775, and uh, her salary is $133,000. What's her job? Uh, she's the recruitment specialist. For Broward schools, if you look on triplebippers.org, you'll see her uh, in skiing, snow skiing gear. In in uh, I mean, that's, that's a huge amount of money. And there's a social injustice part where Broward schools has made the decision not to pay the employers match of Social Security payments for their part-time and temporary teachers. So part-time school teachers, part-time bus drivers, cooks, uh, janitors. Uh, are not getting the employer's match, whereas uh, these uh, other triple dippers are running uh, and laughing all the way to the bank. Does this happen anywhere outside of Broward? You know, because one of the things that becomes very obvious to me is that that Broward County is literally one of the last Democratic strongholds in the state. Yes, unfortunately, it it, it also happens in Lee County, uh, and and it's uh, so... In Lee County, it's so Republican that, yes, all the Democrats are Democrats, but so are half the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started uh, this research uh, back in 2018 because Lee County schools were promoting a 10-year sales tax increase, and we found out that these triple dippers are crowding out money that could be used for tutors. They're crowding out money that uh, could could be used uh, for roads, that could be used for the for tax cuts, could be used for the environment. Uh, only approximately one out of three, sometimes only one out of four, of these triple dippers are traditional classroom teachers. In Broward County, we have six riding lawnmower operators that are triple dippers. Riding lawnmower operators. Mm-hmm. What What do you say to the people? And you know, when I was uh, planning to have you on the show, I had some people who contacted me and said, you know, they don't, they think that a lot of your information is inaccurate. Where do you get your research? Where do you do your research? The source documents are all posted. I, yeah. I get the the pension money, uh, the pension uh, from the uh, state of Florida, the Management and Services Department. I get it get it every month. Uh, and I match that against the uh, uh, public records requests from Broward schools or from Broward County or from, from uh, the various cities or the prosecutor or tax collector. This is all public information. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've been doing this, and I've got it. Uh, we've, from the state, we get the individual's full name. We get their employer. 
We get their projected cash pension bonus. It's, it's, it's called pension accrual, the formal name of the... Did we lose him? Oh, that's uh, kind of curious, don't you think? Let's see. Yeah, let's see if we can get him back on. Um, you know, I looked at all the source material that he had sent to me, uh, including articles from pretty mainstream publications like the Sun Sentinel, um, when Rick Scott wanted pension reforms, and when um, there were articles in The Capitalist and in pretty traditional media outlets that confirmed that the potential was always there for this and that nobody was willing to do the research. And, and that's where, again, if you have questions about the validity, all right, Dave J is back with me. Um, if you have any questions, as some people have indicated they do, his website gives you all the source material, and some of it is very mainstream media, Sun Sentinel, uh, Capitalist. You know, uh, if you want to argue, um, he certainly put his facts out there for the argument. Do you get a lot of pushback, especially from the schools? Uh, yeah, we sure do. And uh, look, uh, I want people, I want uh, public employees. And the politicians, there's a number of politicians that are triple dippers to get a, a good salary, to get good benefits, to get a pension. But nobody in the private sector gets a paycheck and a pension at the same time to do the same job. It's bankrupting us. And the legislation that's going through the, the Florida Senate and the Florida House is going to add $3.1 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars to a $36 billion in unfunded uh, pension liability. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's unsustainable. I mean, just because you can eat at a buffet restaurant for every lunch and dinner doesn't mean you should. I mean, how many luxury cars, how many luxury uh, condos, how, how many uh, 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 gourmet uh, lunches can, can one person actually use? This is gluttony. Yeah. In, in my estimation and others, it's excessive. And uh, it's unaffordable, unsustainable, and that money should be uh, used for tutors to yeah. uh, uh, make sure that our students are our, our job and, and college ready. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, very, very few are. And that's the problem, that you only have about half of high school students that are proficient at math, and only about 50% can actually read at grade level. So it's one thing to pay people extraordinarily well and even to give them some bonus benefits. Uh, it's another thing to know that they're not even doing their job and, and allow that. It doesn't happen in the private sector. If it did, you'd go bankrupt real quick, and that's the problem. Has Governor DeSantis paid no attention to this? Because it would seem like right in his uh, right in his wheelhouse. I admire and respect Governor DeSantis, but uh, unfortunately, just like ivory soap, he's only 99% pure. Uh, on, on, on this issue of triple dipping, uh, he actually went from five to eight years for law enforcement and their secretaries last year. And now they're going from five to eight years, a 60% increase uh, for every public employee and every politician. And regarding politicians, you have to sign a contract, a promise to retire at the end of your five or eight-year period of collecting a pension and a paycheck at the same time. But politicians have a special law, a special accommodation to allow them to petition, to break their promise, and to continue on their current and subsequent terms of office by not paying that 3% of their salary into the pension program. It's huge amounts of money. 
Yeah, it is. If you want to find out more, go to the website tripledippers.org, and Dave's got the research up there for you to see. And if it speaks to you, you need to speak to your elected representatives. Dave, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Joyce. Tripledippers.org. Tripledippers.org. Okay. And uh, again, you know, I, I'm just going going to say this. None of this seems um, none of this seems impossible for me. Okay, uh, I believe that the deferred retirement option program, or job drop as they cause it, um, is no longer something that you should be involved in, or at least not until you do your job. And these teachers are not doing their jobs. Anyway, um, you could read more about it and you can look at the Department of Management Services website as well, dms.myflorida.com to find out what exactly it makes people eligible um, for a lump sum or a rollover payment of some plan. But either way, I'd like to see our kids get educated before I see everybody get the big payouts. All right, let me take a quick break. Don't forget Dan Bongino's coming up at 1 o'clock, Ben Shapiro at 4 o'clock, the WPTV News at 6 o'clock, and Jen and Bill will be back in the morning. I have one segment left, and we have an important announcement about to be made on the show, so stay right where you are. All right, and welcome back. You know, I have a, a few friends who uh, I trust their instincts when it comes to politics, and uh, one of my friends introduced me to a gentleman a couple of weeks ago, and he wasn't unknown to me. As a matter of fact, I had done an entire program about a letter that he wrote uh, to his daughter's school in New York City, a private school, that the letter went viral. And so I did a whole show on Andrew Gutman, but Andrew moved to Florida and has an announcement that he has just made, so I thought he should come on the show and make it here for the very people who will have to make a decision who's going to sit in the 22nd Congressional District seat next time. How you doing, Andrew? I'm terrific, Joyce. Thanks so much for having me on the show. No, I And listen, I, I, I do I have an announcement. I am running for Republican nominee for Congress in District 22 for Lois Frankel's seat. Yeah. Now, what made you decide, first and foremost, to move down to Florida? Because I, I think that's relevant to our listeners. Yeah, I, like so many... Like so many ex-New Yorkers, um, we flew. We had to uh, flee the progressive mismanagement of New York City, and we came here for the free state of Florida, uh, like so many thousands of others. And I consider this my new home, which I'm, I'm very proud to consider this my new home. And I think this is, from a perspective of having a child and from a perspective of family, this is a great place to be for the future. Unfortunately, New York City is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what you're uh, what you were addressing in that letter that I spoke about a couple of I guess it was like two years ago that you wrote that letter, almost, right? Almost exactly two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what I remember was that you challenged them um, on the ideology that they were indoctrinating your daughter with, and you know, much to I think your surprise and certainly to the school's surprise, there were a lot of parents who were thinking the same thing as you. There were indeed. And when I wrote the letter, we had tried the whole year, almost the whole school year, to get other parents to speak up. I said this then, I say this now. I think more than half of the families were very unhappy with the direction that the school was going. They had completely abandoned their mission of academic excellence, adopted a mission of uh, obsession with race and identity, 
and training progressive activists. So very many families were upset about that. Unfortunately, none of them would speak up. And I think what happened after my letter went viral, and I never expected that letter to be read by any other than the 656 families that I mailed it to, uh, we saw this was the very beginning of this parents' movement and the fight mm-hmm. against woke education. And we did, you know, we saw two things. We did see that very many parents around the country were upset about this. But we also saw, and this is the good and the bad, this was in every school. We mm-hmm. knew at that point this was in New York City, fancy private schools. This was in California, fancy private schools. We had no idea two years ago that this, uh, this stuff, this woke ideology was almost every school, public, private, even many religious schools in the country. So that was really the very beginning of what we now call the parents' movement. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, talk a little bit about your background. Nobody wants to vote for you just because you wrote a great letter. Sure. Yeah, so I started my career at the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C., studying economic policy, went back, got my MBA, was in finance as an investment banker for a while, uh, wound up writing a book about investment banking and taught finance and accounting and then switched to do some entrepreneurship, became a self-taught software developer, and did a number of tech projects. Uh, Also got involved in my family's international chemical distribution business. And then when my letter happened, I sort of put everything else professionally on hold. I felt I had a duty to all the people that reached out to me, to all the families around the country, really to all Americans, to take what had happened to me, which was sort of lightning in a bottle with this letter going viral, and focus as much time as I could on this parents' movement and the fight for education and for children and for our country. And that's really what I feel right now with running for Congress. I feel the same sense of duty. Somebody has to do it. I mm-hmm. feel we don't have enough people in the government at any level, local, state, federal, that fundamentally understand what's happening in education, that fundamentally understand what is at stake in this cultural war, because it's enormous what is at stake. This is really the future of America. This is really, I think, uh, you know, we're fighting over Western civilization. And so we need people that understand these issues. And I hope the voters of, of Palm Beach County and District 22 will, will agree with that and, and help me get there. Yeah. You know, the, the saddest part of, you know, people embarking on a journey like you're about to take, and I've been, you know, I've been a champion for that district for decades and mm-hmm. helped people get elected in that district and actually helped them get unelected when they didn't do what they were supposed to do. But I can tell you this, we had a lot more availability of getting your viewpoint out there uh, just a week ago than we do today. Um, The silencing of conservative voices and of voices who talk about the culture war uh, subjects at all, whether it's the education that our kids are not getting or are getting, or whether it's, you know, the, the breakdown of the nuclear family and this sort of insistence that we all have to buy into this fringe critical race theory and critical theory yeah. period. And, you know, this is an uphill battle. Are you ready for the fight? There's no question this is an uphill battle. But this is a fight we have no choice but to have. We're, we're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our country. As I said earlier, we're fighting for Western civilization. What choice do we have but to fight? I think the left, what we have realized, and I didn't know this before my letter happened, before I spent two years kind of reading some of the ideology behind wokeness and behind understanding what's happening in these schools. This, this was decades long. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people say this. And the left took decades. They marched to the institution. They took over the education system. They took over our cultural institutions. They've taken over the federal government and our military, our medical institutions, our legal institutions with this woke ideology. We woke up finally. This is going to be a long fight. There's no easy solution here. 
but we have no choice but to fight. We have to. And, and you're absolutely right. It is hard to get this message out. We don't have the media that the left has to do this, which is why I'm so thankful that we have people like yourself that will give people like me a voice. Uh, but we have to try, and we have to do this in all sorts of ways. We tell our friends. We tell our family. We do use media. Uh, but we have to get this message out, and you're absolutely right. It's not an easy message, but we have no choice. No, I agree, and, and that's why when I met with you, I knew instantly that you were going to have my full support, and you do. Um, well, I, I appreciate people, that. I want people to go to the website. It's andrewgutman.com if you want to get more information, if you want to get involved. He's going to need an army of grassroots supporters to get out there and get the message out because we don't have you know, the Tucker Carlson's anymore. We're, going, we're seeing a crackdown on conservative voices and areas where they used to fundraise and where they were used to getting their message out. It's going to dry up, and I'm, I'm predicting even worse. Um, so we need you. If you, you know, this is your community. If you want Palm Beach to become the future Wall Street, which is something that Andrew talks about, um, then you're going to have to make this a place where people want to bring their families and live in. And that's going to be on you. So, again, go to the website, andrewgutman.com, and you can find out more. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Good luck. George, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate that. All right. Well, listen, we got to stand together. If, if you guys, if you will fall for anything, well, then that he's not the candidate for you. But if you're eager to get into this battle and save future generations, then here's a candidate, you know, and, and I supported a different candidate in the last election, but he likes Andrew Gutman. So there you have it. All right. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.